Hello, humans, and welcome to Audio Face, an irreverent podcast about the music news and music culture that mostly matters. I'm Dan. I am Sean. And this is episode one. No, it's not. Episode two. One? You got <laughs> One. Count them. Two. Count them. Three. No. Two. 255 of this podcast. Um, I am Dan. Um, yeah, Sean, as always. <laughs> Yes, as, as we've um, introduced, as usually, as we do. Um, and yeah, this is Audio Face Live, which is a lot for me to produce and handle all at once. I am constantly figuring out how to do that and adjust to this well. But um, we've we'll got... see how long it lasts until it crashes. <laughs> I mean, uh, 43% CPU, that's not that bad. Okay. So to d- this week, we're going to be reviewing two really nice singles we are going mm-hmm. to be uh if i can find my yes i can love that uh we're going to be reviewing three fine albums uh one is rush by maniskin maniskin i don't know uh, sorry i don't speak italian <laughs> since we're doing spongebob references all of a sudden but um yeah it's a very interesting thing because they have been billed as the you know, answer to rock music, if that makes sense. Um, or, you know, like, they're going to modernize rock music. And, you know, um, here on Audio Face, being 255 episodes in, we've played to loads of rooms like this before. And so it's... We've been talking about how rock has been alive and dead and alive again. And so... Um, we definitely have takes for this. Yeah. But of course, we also have SOS by SZA and No Thank You by Little Sims and a little bit of a um, Ripperuski for David Crosby. Um, you know, a lot and a little to say about him. Very interesting. But I am very excited to A, talk with my good buddy about some new music that has come out, B, mm-hmm. get my sound uh ready to go and <laughs> good and set uh c talk to bread and toast in chat who has sent emojis who to which um i say hi uh Hello. thank you very much uh for being here so i've done the worst job of you know prepping and promoting audio face live just because i've been a january is usually our vacation month and so I've been doing a lot of vacationing and this is like not thinking about stuff. But B, I have been doing a lot of thinking about stuff and we have a lot up um, up our sleeve coming on Audio Face, including some original series, which is nothing like you've yeah. ever seen on Audio Face before, which you'll... Yeah. Sean has seen a little bit about. Sean has even seen all that I have seen and he is very excited. I am very excited. Super You'll be excited. very excited. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. But... Let's get into what you're all here for, which is the music. Sean, can you please, while I segue myself to um, turn off my heater, uh, talk about Ocean's Niagara by M83. One of the first M83 songs you have heard in a Manitsky. Yeah, so um, first off, Happy New Year, everybody, because, you know, it's first audio face of the year. 
um, as we like to take a that little bit. Not to be Larry but, uh, David about it, but like, is is really like it's January twenty second. Oh, it's tw- it's the twenty second of January, as disclosure would put it. So, is it a little bit too late to say Happy New Year? Wait, twenty second January. It is. I did Maybe that. We can't talk about that. We can't talk about it. <laughs> I, I, I did that specifically, sir. I did that specifically. I'm gonna be listening to that on repeat for the rest of the day. I didn't realize it's twenty second January. Run that baby. Um, run that shit. Um, but going in, um, M83, one of my absolute favorite musical artists, um, even though he has beef with Dan, um, literal beef with Dan. <laughs> there was that one time, a couple of actually very early on in audio face where I commented something about him and he took it the wrong way and I had to like respond and hopefully he's okay with it. But like, ugh. yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit rough in the streets, but like yeah, with Digital Sage Volume Three, um, his last release. But um, so with Ocean's Niagara, he's um, announced a whole new album that will be out in uh, I believe mid March, um, and a tour to go along with it. But it's now like Ocean's Niagara's tried and true M83 sound, where you know that early 2010s, late aughts, you know. Um, electronic indie sound that he really pioneered and a lot of people actually tried to copy and like similar to like Jai Paul in that way where a lot of you got a lot of different M83 copycats but but that there is only one M83 and Oji Diagra is that sound and it's nice to hear something where it's familiar but it is a little updated in it and the way it's more atmospheric in it there's not really many lyrics literally just one thing and then the rest of it is instrumentals um, but it's beautiful the way it is. It reminds me of Hurry Up or Dreaming Sound, but a little bit more updated. And I'm excited, super excited for the record release and everything. But if you like a mini three, um, you're going to like Ocean's Niagara. If you like indie music, if you like electronic music, you might enjoy it. So it's something that you guys should keep on your radar and definitely check out. It's a, it's a good single. It's a good thing, especially with... You know, you had Junk, which we both didn't particularly enjoy when he released that in 2016. There's a couple th- decent tracks like um, Do It, Try It, and a few others that were okay, but didn't really like that direction he went. And then Digital Shades Volume 3 was like this whole different project that was, you know, just a lot of uh, eclectic, different work. But this is now like a tried and true M83 release, which I'm super excited. So it's good. I like it a lot. Yeah, honestly, I was very impressed by it. It's ambient. It's a little bit bold, actually, because of that lack of lyrics, because of that sort of, like, Mm -hmm. emptiness, but not in a pejorative sense. Like, yeah, it was Mm -hmm. very good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 22 is a landmark year in music. 2023 is seeming like it's only going to continue because of the economics of music. You know, a lot of that is going to be good for us as music consumers. A lot of that's also going to be very um, interesting as we talk about the economics of music, the business of music, which we always do a side of on Audio Face. You'll continue to get a look on that right here, which, of course, um, just to plug for the podcast audience, just to plug for the live audience, we are doing Audio Face Live now on twitch.tv slash Dan from the web. I might do it on YouTube, depending on if it works or not, which today it currently isn't. But also because I found out a little loophole, which Twitch will allow me to play the live versions of music. So depending on how I like oh, that and please. how that like works the flow of the podcast. 
we might be able to do a little bit of that here and there. And then, of course, I'll be able to show a chat and some graphics to the left of us. Did I do the thing right? Um, there we go. Yes, I did. Uh, sorry, I don't have the live version of us on all the time because I'm getting used to Audio Face Live. Of course, um, check out PowerPoint Live on the same channel, twitch.tv slash Dan from the web or youtube.com slash Dan from the internet. That's different on YouTube than we are theoretically on Audio Face Pod. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what comes out of the year and segueing to what else comes out of the year is Emily, I'm Sorry by Boy Genius. Please do me a favor, do probably the, all of us a favor, and talk about the a little bit about Boy Genius, who they are, why it's interesting that they are creating music this year, and yeah, lead that into they released an EP of three songs. We have an audio face rule. Um, if you want to stop talking, I can talk about the audio face rule, but you can feel free to talk about that as well, and then just segue into the song itself, please. It so well. First off, the audio face rule is we review one single before an album is released, unless you're Dan and you try to loophole it with gorillas. Um, but yeah, so we do that because of the whole Phoenix rule. Because I reviewed way too many singles and it was like half the goddamn album. <laughs> um, so ever since then, six years ago, we have that rule set. Um, but going into um, Boy Genius, it's a female indie Adams for Peace. Um, Basically, where it's like a that's super bold. group, right? I have a lot of bold takes here on the rest of the podcast, but like that's very bold. Where it's you know Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus, like it's a you it's know a super every, group for sure, absolutely super group. Um, you know, for the female indie scene, that's like every um every hipster chicks like just absolute dream lineup right there. Like, no, no, not uh, just but, chicks. Like you know, non-binary men, male. You know, you know, like we we I I love all of this like. Julian Baker, oh, Phoebe Bridges, sure. like none of them really need any introduction, including to, of course, no, um, Lucy not. Dacus. So, like, I, yes, I love this. And Boy Genius has not, like, really had a lot of stuff come out recently until no. this stuff. So, like, now it's like, okay, 2023, we might get some sauce. I'm feeling really good. Uh, yeah. They're supposed to release a record this year, so they uh, they did a project I think five or six years ago. It just does like a little EP thing that they did just before like a lot of them really blew up. I would say, um, or like in the midst of them really blowing up as artists. Um, but now uh, this year they announced that they're gonna fully co- they fully committed to working on a full LP, and they released a little three um, track single, but we're we're just off of it's called the record but we're going to talk about emily i sorry um if you guys want to listen to the rest of it go ahead but that goes into the singles rule because audio face um yeah basically yeah yeah. we don't want to we don't want to review too many singles like at once because then we don't get to listen to the rest of the record it like ruins the whole experience because we are a full albums listen through podcast like at the end of the day we like albums here so um yeah even an album even an album (laughs) 
More on the Grammys a little bit later. Check out our previous clips on youtube.com slash audiofacepod for our Grammys takedowns. But um, mm-hmm. we definitely, this little, po- this little humble little podcast establishment here, we do a lot more work than the Grammys, which is pathetic because we're busy. <laughs> right. Um, but I really like Emily. I'm sorry. It's I feel like the the trio of them, the way that they wrap their vocals, definitely Phoebe's taking the lead on it. But the way that they harmonize is beautiful. It's perfect indie. It's really what you know. And I can't actually. I can't wait to talk about the state of mu- the music. Our annual discussion that we go um, uh, go on about. But it's this the type of indie where it's bridging that like bedroom pop sound with a little bit more acoustics with a little bit more production style but still that stripped back style with really airy vocals but the way when they harmonize in the middle and the crescendos in the middle of the song is absolutely gorgeous um so i'm really excited to hear the full project with them i didn't listen to the other singles i actually want to really wait and be patient with this because i'm excited to see what they do with it um they put their minds together so yeah that's good yeah, it's really good. it's really hard to remain holy with this because it's very tempting yeah. to listen to the rest but um and one other thing i'll say too is it's not like at least for emily i'm sorry it's not like one has more say over the other like i feel like they really all three julian baker phoebe Richards, and lucy dagas they all combined on Agreed. that track and like that was one thing that you can get with super groups it's one of my very very few complaints with like atmosphere peace or even the smile where it sounds like a radiohead side project right but with this it's it sounds like it it's uniquely its own thing in that regard so uh that's where i'm really excited to hear the rest of the record when it's out and not just the single of the record yeah there's three songs there will most likely be more music to that so yes. <clears throat> I'm very excited to that. We're very excited to that. Um, what I'm very excited for is the reviews that we have this week, Maniskin, SZA, and Little Sims. But before that, time to pay the bills. No, no, no. Um, I, I didn't prepare well enough for the um, advertisement type stuff. So um, we'll be doing that very soon. But we will have ads in audio face. But also on the Syndicate 23 network, which you can support and not get ads from by going to join.syndicate23.co or just like syndicate23.co in general. You know, like all the websites work individually. Um, for just like five bucks a month, essentially, you can become a Syndicate 23 member. You can get all of the content that we do for free. Honestly, that's a steal compared to a lot of the content that is going out there. Like Netflix is going up, Disney Plus is going up, HBO Max is going up. HBO Max doesn't exist like in a couple of months from now. So like make sure you get all that stuff. We provide you things on the audio face side and including this like special live stream where you get like the special unfiltered, uh legally unadvisable version of the show. But you'll also get um special updates from Syndicate 23 members, like uh previews of Dan from the Internet specials, these special documentaries that have been great before. They've been high production value before. Boy, can you wait and see what is coming up in the future. Like, I have really impressed myself and um, the folks who have been helping to produce these things have been, like, really pushing themselves to their own limits to make these things happen. So I cannot wait to show all these things to you all and um, make these extremely long delays um, mostly worth (laughs) it. So, again, 
syndicate23.co for all those different things. Speaking of how that's useful for a website, if you are an artist or you know an artist who you want to submit and have uh, promoted on our new music sort of um, new singles segment that we did earlier, do go ahead and send us an email at info.syndicate23.co, info at syndicate23.co. We'll have our 2023 playlist. We usually do a playlist every single year for, um, you know, keeping track of all of the best music of the year. And we will definitely have that for 2023. We are just definitely getting that up because it's the first week of the year. Give us a break. Come on. Uh, I remember when Mitt Romney said, hey, give me a break. Come on. Come on, man. Give me a break. And so um, we'll get to that very shortly. Don't worry. Hold yourselves. Um, but it's going to be bigger, bolder, and blacker than ever, um, because we're going to have some curation to that. <laughs> Sean did Bama eyes right there, but it's okay, because, um, Sean loves bigger and blacker, and boy, I noted. And lastly, uh, <laughs> thank you, Peter, for mixing and mastering Peter. this episode for, um, well, again, I always screw that up, because technically, he does the mastering, and I do the mixing, but you know, um, he makes the episode sound better. He also contributes to Audio Face and helps make sure the clips get published and all those other different things, along with Austin, along with the entire Audio Face team. So, thank you to all of them. And it's going to be a really great stuff coming from the rest of the year. Um, anyways, Maniskin has released yeah. an album. It's called Rush. It's called, it's 17 songs, 52, roughly 53 minutes long. And they are a very interesting group in that they have streams, but they have a lot to prove. They're an Italian rock band, and the narrative around them has been like, you know, trap and neo-pop, which is what we call R&B, because R&B is inherently a racist-sounding genre. They are very dominant in the music space right now. Also, we cannot forget the prominence of latin music or spanish language music that is um going across the world with artists like bad bunny artists like rosalia um they this is a very interesting space in the world of music and needless to talk about the business side which is like a part for another podcast segment right mm-hmm. um Maniskin has tried to establish themselves as like more than just some TikTok trend or more than just like a popular uh, one-trick pony, which it used to be, you know, you had one, it was called a one-hit wonder. You would have like one hit that did really well. They've had a lot of songs that have done like okay for over the past like couple of years or so. They've been producing music for a while, but uh, Gossip, while it's not their first album, they've rep- produced at least two more. It's definitely their biggest push to be an a, a global force, right? And Absolutely, yeah. Again, I think they have this like chip on their shoulder where they're trying to prove that like rock music is something that can be relevant and valid in 2023. But that brings it back to Audio Face, which is a podcast where we cover music very closely all the time. And we've said rock was dead back in like 2018 or 19 right and so we've seen the resurgence of rock music the resurgence of rock music through indie 
and through alternative. And rock is <laughs> alive and well <laughs> right now, it, right? It, so it, it really is yeah. in many in many different forms too. My, my last thing to say here, I promise, like five seconds left, is that there's there's this narrative that. Maniskin has to prove rock music for itself, and I don't think we believe that. I think here we believe that rock is fine, and there's a lot of heavy hitters, and so we're comparing them to that. That being said, this is really rough to listen to, man. <laughs> for me, at least. Yeah, it's... In this scene where, like, especially last year, right, in 2022, when we had a lot of really damn good rock albums, a good alternative rock, lots of different spins and styles. Like, example, Arctic Monkeys, The Car, right? You know, a huge rock band that show that keeps continuing to show that artistry, taking your time, really well thought out, beautiful records can still really show you rock, right? If you look at a lot of 70s style rock, a lot of it is really understated. And, you know, talking about like Crosby, Stills and Nash, you know, kind of going on in another conversation we'll have in a little bit. These slower styles and whatnot are really making a comeback and are starting to be more prevalent, and especially towards last, a lot of last year. But with Mainskin, it's they're like trying to sound like a blend of IDK How and the Horrors, and they absolutely missed it in that thing. There is actually some very interesting sounds in here. But like the second track, Gossip featuring Tom Morello, Tom Morello of Rage Against Your Machine fame, you know, amazing musician, amazing guitarist. And they just, I was excited. Like I saw that uh, the, the opening track on my mind is okay. Like it's like this just fast paced rock track. Or I would say, um, you know, that, um, I can't think of it like early or like mid aught sounding rock that's okay. Um, but you know, Interpol's been making that for 20 years. So, but then I saw like gossip was the second track of Tom Morello. I'm like, Ooh, okay, let's hear it. And they just don't, it just falls flat. Like that's a feature that, how do you mess up that feature? How do you not let him really shine on it and everything? And it's like just a little solo in the middle and that's it. But the track is really lackluster and just doesn't. It just doesn't give me anything that I want in it. It was like terrible. <laughs> like, I'll be honest. Flat. Like, like I, it, I was playing it on speakers around like a lot of other people that I. No, I say like one other person that I really trust his musical perspective from. Okay, and he was Fair like, point. "Oh Jesus Christ, what?" <laughs> like he, he he was, and I was having a similar description where like you know this is my first listen. I'm kind of like chugging along through this. I'm developing my perspective as I'm going through it. But like, wow, Tom Morello did not add to this track. It definitely only subtracted, but also yeah. Maniskin also subtracted from this record. Like. <laughs> It was, it was like, it was themselves. It just did not sound good. And I, I think that sets the tone off for the rest of it. We're like, 
There are some moments where they are fairly redeeming as a band, but there's some moments where it feels like they're being very reactive, and they even say it in a lot of their, you know, like press releases, that they're being reactive to the sudden fame they're getting, and they're like trying to push themselves in different things. I believe one of the songs, like later in the record, was like basically recorded drunkenly, which like is a (laughs) sounds like a choice to me, Um, and it. I think it was babysat, but like I, I may not be entirely right from all of that. But like the, the the lead singer like recorded like kind of like and lost in the sauce there. But like and we've talked about artists like you know Arctic Monkeys, but even newer artists like the 1975, and we talked about Boy Genius and Phoebe Bridgers and Florence and the Machine, and they're like again, indie Boom, rock even. is alive and well, yeah, yeah. and yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, of course. Yeah, we did the Audio Face Awards. Clips of that will be, uh, of course, like public on youtube.com slash audiofacepod. And you can check out the podcast at audioface.show for all those different things there. And you can check out all of our favorite indie alternative rock picks. We did alternative rock as one category and indie is another category. Wet Leg, FFS, right? Like, how can we forget a lot of these artists here? And it feels like Metaskin is just like, not one or two, but like three plus steps behind a lot of what's going on here. And there's no reason to believe that like, like there's little moments of here. In fact, maybe it's a benefit that I don't understand the language here, but like there's some, out al- there's some songs of the album, like Mark Chaplin, La Fine, like Il Dono de, de la Vida, that are like Mamma Mia. But are like more Italian in the I language really focus. Like, I, I, that I think I like those tracks pretty good. Maybe as a person who does not, in the words of whatever SpongeBob episode I'm quoting, sorry, I don't speak Italian. Like in the words of someone who doesn't like understand the Italian language super per- super perfectly, like maybe it's because of that. But I'm focusing on the instrumentation a little bit more, and I'm focusing on the other elements of the song a little bit more. But also probably not because I'm gonna put some respect on my name and say like we've been doing this shit for about like almost we're coming on our se- we're coming on our seventh year now, and I can separate like what is good vocally from what is good as an instrumental project. And there are some parts of this album that instrumentally fall flat and I instrumentally want more from them. And there are certain parts of this album that tend to be like just the fuck it, we are the Italian band, we're just going to do our damn thing that seem to be the more genuine parts that actually ring through more true to me. That I wish they would try to adapt more and they would try to push themselves more in this, okay, I get it. You're doing an English language album. Now let's bring your musical knowledge to that broader audience without the fear that you're going to cut people off. Yeah, and so where it really lost me was the, what was that, the third song or fourth song where it's blah, blah, blah. Too, a parking lot. She smiled and told me, Never mess it. Car, car, 
just such a crap pop song where it's just that is that song in itself is being reactive to your audience being reactive to the fame and whatnot and trying to sustain it and like be on the nose with it but you're not being clever with being on the nose like there's other ways to do it and it just that one really is not a good track the album is really really flat until you get to the bottom half where mark checkman onwards where they you know switch between italian and english i actually feel like there's some really good ideas in there and there's some genuine thoughts that you can make good sounds from and i can see that those parts are there and like you know some of their more popular songs on this record mamma supermodel aloneus last three tracks are their most played and those are the most listenable tracks out of this record those are the most well thought out was most well produced tracks and if they had stuck to those ones and made maybe a tighter more cohesive record in that regard it would have actually been fine but the issue is with how reactive they are in this especially the first 10 12 songs the first 35 40 minutes of the record it's so flat and dull that it's just in the world where there are a lot of damn good rock records that have come out the past two three years this is just one that's very easily forgettable yeah, and again, the question is like, do the streams match the music? And definitely not. And I think that's just first like, off. Drake has a million bajillion fans and streams. Does that match his talent? Fair no. Point. <laughs> fair point. Except her loss, maybe. I'm coming around to it. Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's a totally fair point there. And I think that um, they, they, they lack that narrative where they're able to actually pinpoint and say, like, in trying to prove themselves too much and, like, overprove themselves, they are missing who they really are. And I see who they really are, especially, like you said, to that last part of the album there. But they don't actually show it that well because they're trying to overprove themselves. And, like, I hope they overcome that. I think they have plenty of room to overcome that. And they have, like, a little bit of runway to overcome that. But that's definitely going to be their kind of underdog position is that, like, we are seeing a new generation. In our State of Music 2022, 2023 conversation, rather, everyone does the date switch even though we're late in the month of course we're doing the date switch here like everyone does their sort of like i want to like establish what the year in music is going to be and what we're definitely going to say is that at least to some extent there's going to be a lot of bands and acts that have to make sure that they adapt to this new music world and this new music world uh, like requires a lot of different things of artists and requires a lot of different um skills of artists that not all musicians have and the pros to that is that it's going to give musicians that have like a lot of skills in performance and making sure they play to the algorithmic gods that work at these tech companies um these recent recently called tech companies um to make sure that they work while at the same time making sure they produce good music which is going to be the tension that they're going to see on all sides and 
you know, a lot of bands are going to succeed in that. A lot of bands are going to fail in that. And a lot of bands are going to overthink that. And the best thing I could say about Maniskin is that they're overthinking it and that they will eventually realize that they can make music for themselves and there's an audience around that and they should try not to make sure that like they should try to ensure rather that there is not some narrative being made for them mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly yeah arbitrary scale as we do arbitrary Oops. scales every week on audio face and every week on audio face we do arbitrary scales because our review is our review and if we give you an actual ranking system such as um some other you know music <laughs> reviewers on video in written form etc elsewhere on the internet it wouldn't really do justice to the amount of depth and credibility that we just gave you so given that response our review is going to be based on an arbitrary scale every single week and this week is going to be extreme right-wing creators who are worth less than 50 million dollars as a uh a light tip of the hat to steven crowder who is having a fight with uh ben shapiro's daily wire network um over whether or not he is worth more or less than 50 million dollars uh let me tell you again as I've been saying on a number of different shows I've been interviewing this, including on Power Report with Dan from the Internet and friends and guests, which you can see Thursday on Twitch.tv slash Dan from the Web, that um, unless you're taking massive-ass corporate money, and I'm not just talking about like, oh, the Young Turks took $20 million in one funding round that lasted you know, to this day, slash before the 2020 elections in like five years. So $20 million over five years. Versus Steven Crowder saying, $50 million a year is below me. Uh, in a way that might get around the YouTube censors, below me. So uh, yeah, this week, it's going to be extreme right-wing creators who are worth less than $50 million. I'm going to give this the Candace Owens. He's definitely worth less than $50 That's million. That's a good one. That's a good one. I was going to give this like the solid Matt Walsh. Like just That's a good one. ugly, That's very, rough. Very strong. That was going to be my second choice. Yeah. Just like bad all around. No good. No, nothing good out of it. Nothing good. All bad. Um, I'm going to read some chats that we're getting in uh, the Twitch world. Uh, Bread and Toast, who is really representing here. <laughs> it's saying like Drake the kind of guy to care how many followers he has absolutely like a lot of Drake's old tweets and comments where he's trying to get attention like hey I'm on a private jet and this is what I'm experiencing I'm telling you so the young people know like so the regulars know like it's it's not a good look Drake it, it, it's looking very like you know out of touch especially in Nepo Baby era and um yeah a lot of why we say Neopop is because a lot of these genre characteristics were made in the 60s, 70s, 80s, when 90s, 2000s, 2010s, when a lot of these classifications were viewed in a very racist light in all terms, honestly. So um, people need to just kind of open their minds, let's see, and get some new ideas and see that they can view music in a space that's like there are people who are latin american or you know eastern european 
or from Africa, you know, like not even American related, let's say, who are making great R&B music. East Asian people, right, who are making great R&B music. We talk about Joji, who technically fits in the R&B category, but like R&B is like a racist category. Like, like that's an inherently racist genre that people need to understand, really understand, like figure out. So um, that's why we call it neo-pop because it's a nod to the fact that it's like, you know, neo-soul, neo-funk, neo-jazz, neo-R&B, which are all nods to this genre. But the fact that like this is popular music, this is stuff that gets as many streams as pop music. So like I think that's really important and really cool. Anyways, um, second album of the day. Second album of the day, serving it up Gary's way. Bing. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry to steal Sean's uh, little didgeridoo, but we have <laughs> SOS by SZA. It's twenty three songs. Love that. Uh, an hour and eight minutes long. And yeah, this is SZA's latest, possibly also last album on TDE. I actually honestly haven't checked the most recent things on that, but you know, Kendrick is, her last yeah, Kendrick is leaving Top Dog. Uh, SZA is leaving Top Dog and potentially. And we, you know, I don't think the label drama is very relevant to even talk about in much of this like album review sort of thing but rather the fact is that like SZA has had a little bit of label drama and she's had a lot of personal drama and mm-hmm. you know she's also has not released a lot since her control release in 2017 I want to say and so we've been really eager to hear some stuff from her we are glad to hear some stuff from her and damn is this some stuff from her alright uh this is a very enticing record with a lot of ideas. You know, some of them hit, some of them don't. I think that's kind of just like the nature of the game when you're releasing an album in 2022 slash, yeah, definitely 2022, sorry. Um, that is, you know, over an hour long slash over even 45 or 50 minutes long. But... I think that all of it plays through very well. I think it serves its purpose. Um, as long as you were expecting some of the twists. Now, uh, there are artists... I'll say, like, I appreciate most of the features on here. Three out of four, I'd say, are hits. Travis Scott, Phoebe Bridgers, Don Tolliver, and Old Dirty Bastard. Which of these artists is not like the other? <laughs> yeah, so um, I'll definitely say that I have some comments on the 23rd song at the end featuring uh, the late ODB, the very late, great, body-frozen ODB. But... Uh, <laughs> Ted Williams asked ODB. ODB. <laughs> Christ, man. Yo, okay, uh, Sean, what are your thoughts? Hey, that's a line, baby. Um, Woo! Oh! I like SOS. It took me a while because the one complaint I will have, it doesn't need to be 23 songs. 23 is a great number, perfect number. No problem with 23. It's an absolute beautiful number. You got that right. We <laughs> both enjoy 23. Um, but it's, it's a lot of songs. <laughs> um, th- th- 
it feels a little bloated, especially when you get towards the end of the record, but there's a lot of good in here. Um, Kill Bill's second song, I think, is fantastic. Really like her vocals throughout the entire record. I think it's her most mature sounding. I think it's her best production sound. A lot of different ideas, a lot of modern twists with what she does. Like with Kill Bill, it almost has like a um, 50s, 60s style sound to it, but you know, with electronics and stuff that I, and you know, some neo pop twists with it that I really like. Um, so a lot of different motifs and things that. I think she now is really at the top of her game. Again, the only thing, the only issue I have is just it's going to take you a long time to really sift through everything because it is a very long record. Um, features are great. I think Phoebe Bridgers, Don Tolliver, Travis Scott are good. I'm really coming around with Travis Scott as a feature. Um, the more and more projects she does with other people and the more he bronze out, I think he gets better. But that's me kind of jumping ahead to the record. Um, middle of the record, you have. Uh, love language blind used with Don Tolliver that I think are very good. I like how I like how it's paced where it doesn't. I'll say you so really fast. I'll say used with Don Tolliver was solid. Um, I'm a little bit of a Don Tolliver head, to be fair. Yeah, I know you do like Don Tolliver, and I'm not a big, particularly big Don Tolliver fan. So, so like, he's on the Travis Scott, Cactus Jack kind of, like, side of things. So, like, he has that style. There's that little about, like, that auto-tune crooner kind of thing he's got going Mm -hmm. on. But I honestly really think the implementation of the album was really, like... I mean, like the real implementation of the record, rather, that he did on there was really good, especially because I don't think it was too overstated. I don't think he was like, you know, because he was featuring on another um, artist's record, he didn't get the moments to like do too much auto-tune, do too much flair. And we've talked about that very often about how like different artists will pair each other back. And because they like, you know, are 50 50 instead of 75 25 or one or like 90 10, as far as like how much of themselves they're doing or like their worst uh, inclinations that they're falling into, you really get artists who are, or you really get songs that are works of art. Yeah. And. I think that's something that even with the Travis Scott feature too is another thing where when some of these people who I might not necessarily enjoy their solo work enjoy their um, their normal records, then when they get to go with other people, especially different genres, and kind of cross those bridges, they are paired very well. And Don Tolliver is one of the I thought bridges. He was fantastic. Um, <laughs> but the thing too with the record that I like is the pacing is very good. For a record that is a little bit slower, it is paced where it's not. It does not get boring whatsoever. Even though it is a long record, it's not like it's you. You'll get tired or you'll get like a snooze through it. 
it picks up, has lots of different sounds, and keeps it keeps you guessing as what the next track is going to be. Like example, smoking on my X pack. Fucking love that track. Goes hard. Like the beat, everything of that, it just, you know, when you're going through the record after Gone Girl and you get to the middle of that, it's like, ooh, this just this hits. And it's, again, I think it's really SZA at her, at her best. And like right after that, you're really getting into like what I really think is the meat and potatoes of this record, which yep. is where she takes this like really modern, at least modern in the terms of like 2022, you know, 2020 to 2022 indie rock right where like it's having callbacks to grunge but it's really yep. inspired by that like it this is SZA going really at some of her furthest stuff that i've seen her do absolutely ever really like this is experimental as hell especially f2f which is like you know fuck to forget especially as you can like mm-hmm. kind of like interpret as like it's not really uh again r&b song but it would no. get labeled as R&B traditionally because of the way the music genre works, like the way the music world works. That like, indie. oh, this is a black woman who made a song and it's not rap, sort of. <laughs> like, again, like these genres kind of don't make sense, but like neopop, this sort of like, it's soulful. It's got, again, there's this grungy indie sound that's calling back to like what a lot of music is right now, but the topics just, of... Right? The, the, the topics at the end of the day, it's like, fuck to forget. Like, that is blues, that is soul, that is funk. Like That is the essence of a lot of music, even pop music, right? That's why we call mm-hmm. it neo-pop. It has all of these essences in one. And I think that's a great example of like, SZA is getting to a level where she is uncategorizable. And those are my yeah, favorite absolutely. kind of artists, honestly. Because you know what I wanted to kind of talk about with Ghost in the, in the Machine? It reminds me a lot of early Bjork with that track. way it's very experimental but still modern and still fits in this decade but pushing that boundary just that limit and that's right before fuck to forget too which is a completely like 180 on the sound where it just goes into that grunge indie sound that is very popular now that like little flip that's why i really enjoyed the record because again you keep you're Getting guess, you're going to guess every single track that you're listening to the way it plays through it's just 
she's experimenting. She's broadening her horizons, trying to do as many sounds as she can, but it's cohesive. And that is a very difficult thing to do, especially with such a broad range of genres. Um, and overall, as like a project, I think it's really, really good. Um, SZA is somebody who, like with Control in 2017, I thought that record was okay, but it wasn't necessarily my favorite. With it, with SLS, this is fantastic. Um, it's a very, very good record. Um, I'm impressed. I want her to keep this experimentation up and really, you know, keep broadening those horizons. Keep getting out with artists that you know you're bridging those gaps. You're bridging, you know, from indie. You're bridging from electronic. You're bridging from trap, from SoundCloud rap, from all of these different genres and stuff to get as many ideas as you can. Because this is what makes a good record. When we have to guess and we can't say for certain, like, oh, what genre is SOS? I'm like, it's several. It's not just <laughs> one. You know, it's like, that's where it's like, this the audio face that we like. And it's very, very good. The only thing, other than it being pretty long, well, two things with that. One, I don't even necessarily think like there's skips or anything in the record. It doesn't feel like that. There isn't songs like I might take out. It's just, it's just a long record. That's it. Um, but, Forgiveless with Old Dirty Bastard might be the only track where I'm like, eh, you could do without. Because uh, his features. Um, we gotta talk about that. It, like. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel of the discography. Because, of course, Old Dirty Bastard, we've we've got our qualms about posthumous music, and I'm not even going to get into all of them here. You're going to have to check out more Audio Face episodes, either in the podcast or the YouTube or the TikTok or wherever we're doing any of those things. And Goddamn TikTok. You're going to have to understand that, like, there is a lack of life. There is a lack of flow that comes from these posthumous records that is disrespectful because it's the direct opposite of how all of these rappers flowed. Like old dirty bastard was like, it's hard to say, it's hard to say he was the MF doom of his time because MF doom was the MF doom of the same time. But like old dirty bastard embodied the, like I'm a villain. I'm going mm. to say like the raunchy shit because see above, right? Like I like he, he is the reason Tyler the Creator even has the chance to exist, let alone do like the download thing that he did for a little while mm. and then like ultimately come out to do all of that, right? Like he was a pioneer for the raunchiest rap music possible. I mean, the fact that City Girls can say all of that shit that sometimes makes, like, us go, like, hey, 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 whoa, a sec, like, whoa, a sec, like, right? But it challenges us as, like, men rap listeners to be, like, okay, if we are okay with, like, women describing this stuff or, like, not okay with it, then how does that challenge how we listen to men describing similar mm -hmm. situations, right? Like, so this is all important shit. 
And that's not to say that, like, this is the one person that is, like, the skeleton key to all of that. But he is an excellent way to understand why, you know, rap music is allowed to be as raw, as genuine as you see it. One of the many ways you're allowed to see it, right? And so to get this sort of, like, half-assed version mm-hmm. sort of seems like you're not honoring that legacy. Like, I think of, last point, I think of uh, the way Cheat Codes, the Black Thought and uh, Danger Mouse record last year did Belize, which featured MF Doom, which, Mm -hmm. you know, technically was using a track that was made from, like, 20 years ago that MF Doom was totally able to, like, he he was, like, pretty well aware and, like, cognizant and able to, like, you know, be a musician and make that song with. But, it's still a posthumous release, but yet the entire song felt, and even down to the music video, it felt, you know, raw and respectful of who the artist himself was while also recognizing that he's gone. Like, also recognizing mm-hmm. that this is a post-era, not a pre- or a during-era, right? And so that you don't get from this record, unfortunately. And... It's it's a definitely a lost opportunity. Yeah. Um, overall, though, good record, and that's really the only stain I would put on this. Also, Mochi literally completely bonsai charged open my door right now, where she just slams <laughs> it wide open and she demands attention. And I was like, okay, there's cat. Um, no, so I was, was noticing that, that during some of the edits. That was hilarious because I just I just feel I just hear the door just go swing. And then I hear these little footsteps run up to my legs. I'm like, it's a cat. No, it's one of those uh, Kia um, moments. Absolutely. Um, so arbitrary scale, as we do arbitrary scales every week at All Your Face, because our review is our review. Um, this week, it's going to be right-wingers um, who are worth less than $50 million. And this time, it's going to be... Hmm... Mine's a Michael Knowles. I, I'm going to go a little bit out of the Daily Wire cinematic universe and say that this is a... This is a Glenn Beck. You know, he keeps mm-hmm. delivering. He's like he's been delivering over time, as yeah. SZA has been. You know, there's there's a... There's some industry tomfoolery. There's some like business tomfoolery that's been going around there. But at the end of the day... It's been a really solid run. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's I think it's gonna continue to be because uh like like Glenn Beck and SZA are similar in these ways. <laughs> and you're never gonna get this analysis on any other music podcast ever. <laughs> Sean's saying all of his prayers right now and <laughs> trying to find Carl's number on his phone. Um I, both of them know how to stretch their longevity and still keep it interesting. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Um, last album review of the day. We have No Thank You by Little Sims. It's one of those um like sneak releases that came out at the end of last year. It is 10 songs, 50 minutes long. We're going to definitely call that 50 minutes long. And Little Sims has been one of the really interesting artists to watch over the past couple of years because she has developed into, you know, like an indie darling out of England into 
an artist who has really come out of her own, who's able to contribute onto a bunch of different songs, who's able to do her own thing. And then I think that really culminated in Sometimes I Might Be Introvert, the album that yeah, came out that last year in 2020. Technically, we're going to be technical about it, right? Uh, this album we're reviewing, No Thank You, came out in late 2022. So, yes, it's two years ago. But um, No Thank You technically came out one year after. Sometimes it might be introvert. So, let's say one year, one and a half years. You know, we report, you decide. Truly on that one. Pretty closely spaced, I would say. We yeah. nominated that for one of our albums of the year. But one of the things that kind of hit it for me was the fact that 2021 was a year that marked a shift in a number of different things in this podcast. But a number, like one of them especially, was uh, the fact that we started to shorten albums down. The far as we, the fact that we started to appreciate Absolutely. shorter, succinct moments. And sometimes Absolutely. I might be introvert was a very challenging thing because. On the one hand, it was a short, succinct album. Its moments really hit. You had really good songs, but it was a concept record. And so a lot That's of the still con- an hour long. Yeah. The conceptiness really made it nebulous in how much we could really like dig into it and sink our teeth into it and really enjoy mm-hmm. it. And so y- you know, all of that being said, I think that no thank you answers a lot of those qualms that i had what sometimes it might be absolutely it's the same level of quality actually lie better, better quality which i didn't yep. think was possible which was definitely not a complaint of sometimes i might be introvert but it's shorter it's more succinct it does a little bit of you know sneaking around by saying like okay we're gonna insert those uh extended interlude parts into other songs but that's what we said could have happened like you have some longer songs on here some of these are things are charting like the seven minute marks but like as long as you are incorporating them into a piece and that piece also happens to fit within an album god bless that's good and little sim somehow within our like you know audio face Oh, we really hate to consider this point, but like December 12th, 2022 might be the earliest point what we have considered a potential album of the year nominee for Audio Phase 2023. Maybe 2024, depending on how we market it. But your thoughts, Sean? I'm really interested. Yeah, I think it's definitely like, I really like Sometimes I'm actually an introvert uh, in 2021. I really enjoyed that record a lot. But there's, yeah, some some qualms I have where, and that's with anybody who does it, if you have a lot of interludes and stuff, I prefer interludes to be either scrapped entirely or even mixed into tracks. Because I really like it where you have tracks that flow into one another, even if they are longer. Like, example, my favorite band is Sigaros. They make 11-minute goddamn songs, but because they, you know, they create these ambient sounds that really control that are controlled and they lapse into other tracks 
that's what makes those records beautiful. And she does that with no thank you. Um, and like example, Angel, the first track is almost nearly six minutes long for opening track. And love Angel. Returning effect, life doesn't come with presets. My frequency seamless. Then what you give more, expect you to dream less. Got me confessing all my secrets. You ain't the only one under deep stress. Please don't take my kindness for me. Yeah, and the way it it really blossoms to such a beautiful track where the beat is really simple. It's almost angelic, like with the sound, and you get that throughout the record too, which I'll tap on a little bit more as well. Um, her flow is really good. Like the, the lyricism is amazing. But what I love most about the whole record is it sticks with that thing, that angelic sound, that choir in the background that really loops a lot of these tracks together. So like the second track, Gorilla, um, is like a little bit more in your face with that, but it's also then it kind of pairs back. It goes more in your face, pairs back, and it has that choir that loops it to Angel and then loops it to the third track, Silhouette. And then Silhouette, like the last two minutes, three minutes of the track is really just all, it's just all instrumentals with a little bit of a choir going in the background. like tracks that are like that where they really develop and blossom and they sound great and they can really loop and bridge into other tracks and other ideas and projects so that way it's not stagnant and it isn't broken up into sections or broken up into a part one part two it's this beautiful transition that i feel like we're almost missing a lot because we are so focused on creating shorter records so focused on creating shorter sounds shorter songs which is one thing, and I, I, I like that a lot of times, but, you know, my two favorite bands, Radiohead Cigarettes, make long-ass songs, but that's because they know how to control it. They know how to make it without making it the the typical, you know, two-part song, which we've been getting so much that is very overdone, overblown, overused now, where you have a part one, part two in one track, and it might only be three minutes. Silhouette is six and a half minutes long and it's the same track and it just billows this choir just keeps going in the background and it's beautiful and it pops right into No Mercy and that's that's how you get well, through this record. Can, can, I so jump cool. into no, can I jump into No Mercy? Because like Absolutely. I love all of the heady, you know, like conceptual stuff about, you know, Sigaros and all these international artists who are able to build and go across all these different conceptual musical things. In a way that, you know, really pushes art itself. But I like Everything is archived, I can never be stopped. Can't get through to me, see that you being blocked. No mercy. Don't get lost in the source. <laughs> All right. So, like, the thing, the thing is that, like, what we found in doing this podcast so long is that, like, it is 
hard to, especially in a rap context, be able to demonstrate depth and growth while also doing simplicity, while also providing what rap and R&B kind of responds, which is like, what are the things that sell? What's the sensuality? What is like the danciness? What is the stuff that's like high energy? Like th- th- this genre of music requires so many cylinders to be hitting at the right moment at the right time. And even if you're doing them all correctly, that does not even guarantee that you get some type of success that is recognized when it deserves to be. Like, Little Sims is definitely one of those artists who does not get the flowers that she deserves, like, 100%. And Mm -hmm. that is not out of because she doesn't deserve it. That's, like, out of, you know, I I can't really understand it, but definitely, you know, like, business shit, right? But, like, when it comes down to the fact, like, you get to the song, like, No Mercy is track four, she's doing the bangers, she's doing the hits, she's doing, like, the stuff that is introspective and gets you, like, deep and really gets you in your feelings, it's she's firing on all cylinders here and it's really her best stuff it's like the from that that old boondocks quote it's like the sweetest taboo you are in rare form like it is this this is the best shit that she has done really and like all i can really say is that i really hope it gets the recognition that it deserves because it is like it is setting it is setting rap music on what may honestly be a better foot than it deserves to be in this year it's because like, like this, this is beautiful this is, this is this is sorry sorry last thing this is kendrick lamar level shit right here right this is oh, good yeah. stuff this is like uh mr morale and the big steppers level stuff all right if you appreciated that you will appreciate this and you will also appreciate sometimes i might be introvert honestly which came out before mr morale if I um, believe yeah. it. Yeah, it did. It came out it before did. Mr. Rao and covers many of the same topics, right? So this is that same vibe. It needs to be just as popular. If you're one of those people who not only says these things, but allows these things to be seen on your timeline that are like, okay, little, like, okay, rap music is dying. Like, oh, there isn't a lot of substantive stuff out of there. It's because you are not giving little Sims the flower she deserves. Not even just little Sims. There's a ton of artists out there that aren't yeah, getting what they too. So, but the way that she conceptualizes this record and like you know skipping ahead to so the latter part of the record, example, a track like "Who Even Cares." It has this funk groove beat with it, and this really cool electronic sound that's mixed in it with too that she's experimenting and trying to push her sound further and. You know, even though it's basically close from her last release, there are two very different albums, two very different projects. And even though it's only like a year and a half between releases, not even a year and a half, that she's grown in that sound. She's grown in her ideas and the production in that. And that's something that we want to see. That's something we want more artists to do. And in a rap context, you know, even going back to our early reviews of um, with rock and everything, talking with uh, Mainskin. There is a lot of good rap. There's a lot of good rock. There's a lot of good indie that is out. It's just you have to give these artists time. You have to give these people your time to listen to their full projects, listen to their entire records, because that's where you get to really listen to the art. You get to enjoy the art and really digest what their project was all about. 
If you just want to have like one thing here or there, really flashy stuff, then you're missing the whole point. And that's, you know, why we do this podcast is for that. And no thank you is, you know, the epitome of why we like to listen to records, why we like people to divulge, get, get your, uh, wrap your head around an entire project and idea. And Lilson just knocked it out of the park. It's such a good record. You're going to enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Um, arbitrary scale. We do arbitrary <laughs> scales every single week on Audio Face because our review is our review. And um, if you have a problem with that, uh, I can't say that on YouTube. You. So, um, uh, God, what a goddamn nanny. Anyways, um, this week, the arbitrary scale is um, right-wing pundits who are worth... Uh, less than $50 million, according to Steven Crowder's little tantrum. Uh, by the way, it would be so easy for both of us to sell out and become right-wing pundits. Oh, it dude, I would. So li- I, I get a house in the hills, dog. <laughs> I'd have a helipad. We'd be balling. We'd have, like... we'd have syndicate jets, but I wouldn't even have to be a pilot anymore. I Quick would just hops, have my baby. friends. Quick I'd have my friends. Uh, uh, like I'd have my friends fly us, you know? Easy flying. It's so good. Uh, but until then, we got slash, morals. Slash, we've got morals and got the jerseys to prove it. Um, this is going to be. <sighs> Am I allowed to go into the classics? You can do whatever you want as long as they're less than $50 million. Like, I wanted to say Dennis Prager, but I know he's more than 50 mil. So I have another one. I mean, let's. We're not adjusting for inflation, but if we're going back, back, Bill O'Reilly's contracts were less than fifty million dollars, which oh, is my entire man. point. Like, like, like. Man, oh, sorry, I, I need to turn my volume down here because I'm going to start screaming here. This is my entire point. Like, Bill O'Reilly, Bill fucking O'Reilly, never made fifty million dollars. So why the fuck? Would you believe Steven Crowder deserves $50 million? Even in inflation, you must be high. I don't think Tucker Carlson makes $50 million. That makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. I literally can't believe it. Anyways. uh, <laughs> That's yours. Mine is a one... Uh, James Door, a uh, one Jimmy Door of the Jimmy Door Show, is is worth less than fifty million dollars and is an extreme right wing pundit commentator. There you go. That's how good this album is. That's how good this album is. I forgot to put him in the running for like right wing commentators, but like, yeah, <laughs> fair, balanced, and unafraid. Okay. Um. Who? Uh. I got. A little bit more animated than I expected to in that segment. And um I got nothing to say for that. Anyways, uh quick hits. It, quick it's hits. important to note that um David Crosby passed mm-hmm. at the age of eighty one. Eighty one. And he, he was a man. Um <laughs> I, I think like uh, many people, I'm not necessarily saying that this is a way that people should live or aspire to be, but um, a lot of people who have lived lives have like a set of enemies and friends. <laughs> and um, so 
you know, he was of, you know, Burrs and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Crosby. Um, of... Young, Stills, Nash, Crosby. Pioneers, <laughs> 60s and 70s rock and just unbelievable influences throughout his time as a musician. Very just outspoken politically, extreme. very outspoken for like the music industry itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause of death has not necessarily been revealed at this time, but you know, again, like, yeah, David, again, like lived a long and deserving life. So I would definitely start with um, one of his last tweets. Um, this is the very end of the rundown where he is, you know, quote, he's quote tweeting someone who is Google searching, can we go to heaven with tattoos? And it's apparently saying that people who um, don't go to heaven, like people who go to have people who have a lot of tattoos will not go to heaven. And David Crosby is saying, I heard the place is overrated, dot, 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 cloudy. This was tweeted essentially on the same day he died just in the morning, like first thing in the morning. So like, I, I, I only hope to have, again, I, I have people in my family who have passed of like dementia and stuff like that. But so like, I only have to, I only hope to have as much lucidity in my final hours as that, <laughs> because that's like a, that's, that's a killer right there. <laughs> that's a good one. Saying like in your last 12 hours of life, <laughs> heaven's too cloudy. <laughs> Walls of Steel. I love that. Yeah, I mean, his, and then him as a musician, his legacy will never go undiminished, too. So, one of the most prolific senior songwriters to come out of the 60s, 70s scene as well. So, he will be dearly missed. Hilarious guy, too. Yeah, he has a, a little bit of a storied history. I'll read a little bit from variety.com. Um, the edition, so there was uh, the band Steels, Nash & Co. And eventually Steels, um, Nash & Co. added Neil Young. Um, and it only just like made their commercial luster, which they were already building um, as their band, like really big. But there's a constant clash of egos within Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, which sounds like a consulting firm at this point. <laughs> Fueled by the rock excesses of the era. Um, and... It toppled the act during the 70s, though its members would regroup sporadically over the years as a recording and touring unit. Crosby's most stable association was with Nash. The duo recorded and toured regularly throughout the new millennium. Um, Crosby would re-enter the public consciousness in a big way with a theatrical documentary called David Crosby, Remember My Name, narrated and produced by Cameron Crowe. Crosby spoke about his own mortality in the film. And again, this is another one of those moments where it's like, I only hope for this lucidity in the final years of my life. <laughs> um, where he says, quote, time is the final currency. What do you do with the time you have left? And yeah, that's the quote. Like, time is money. Money is time. Like, what are you doing with it? How is it worth it? Like, you know, people are very mixed. And I definitely caution people from taking too much advice from musicians. But that's some good advice. Um Meanwhile, for some less good advice, in April 1982, he was arrested in a Dallas nightclub and charged uh, with possessing a .45 caliber, a .45 caliber handgun and a pipe he used to freebase 
Corcaina. <laughs> 80s, baby. <laughs> 80s, goddammit. Convicted in 1983, he finally served the five months of a five-year sentence in 1986. It's not easy being white. <laughs> um, the year after a bust for drunk driving in Northern California. It's not easy being white. He later credited the Texas conviction with ending his addiction to cocaine. His run-ins with the law continued in later years. He was convicted and fined for marijuana and firearms possession in 2004. Hey, man. In 2015, he hit a jogger with his car in Santa Inez, California. Hey, man! (laughs) But was not charged with the incident. Um, so... Listen, uh... And the words of Mac DeMarco, rock and roll nightclub, baby. <laughs> like <laughs> that that is the life. And it's again not to, you know, paper over a lot of, you know, the real damages that um, you know, drug addiction or, you know, potential illicit gun possession and uh, you know, sporadic driving can have on other people outside of yourself. But, you know. He was definitely an individual. Dave Crosby also had a lot of very storied political opinions, even again to the last day of his, days of his death, tweeting about figures like Marjorie Taylor Greene and, you know, Matt Gates, and still keeping up in those ways. Like, you know, it, it's very interesting to see these kind of musicians and these people who are definitely relics of another era who are passing. Exactly. But uh, it's been audio face. That has been audio face. Um, really fast. Let, let me read some of the chats that we've gotten here. Oh, um, yeah, thank you, Brennan Toast, for holding it down here. Really been appreciating it. Also, hello, Smash. Thank you very much for joining and being here for a little bit. Um, I also love that you agree with me that it does kind of sound like a consulting firm. <clears throat> I appreciate it. The, the, the final name of the band. Um, what, what what was it called? Uh, l- let me get it up. Yeah, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. <laughs> like it sounds like they're about to fix your bread prices, right? Uh, yeah, no, really appreciate that. Also appreciate you all um working with the first iteration of Audio Face Live. On the side, we're going to start um including some of the chats and some of the other things that are happening, and um. We also want to make sure, or maybe on the top, I I think on the top might actually make a lot more Mm -hmm. sense. Um, And yeah, we are going to also promote this more and talk about different things. We have a really, really exciting um, little trick up our sleeves when it comes to audio face, when it comes to youtube.com slash audio face pod and some really exciting um, pieces of content that should be coming out very shortly. And um like Sean said, what does it mean to play us out? Which is my job. Audio Face is your job. On um, audioface.show is actually where you can find most of the links, which makes a lot of my job easier. Twitter.com slash audiofacepod. Instagram.com slash audiofacepod. YouTube.com slash audiofacepod. Sorry, Sean. TikTok.com slash at audiofacepod. And um, of course, we can be found on our respective things. Uh, Sean's interview on PowerPort where he's talking a lot about the workers um, uprisings that are happening in the 
flight sector for pilots for people who aviation. work in the aviation industry that's the word i was looking for forgive me i am trying to do all of the plugs at the beginning as i have forgiven you many times before um all those things will be up on powerport and the dance from the internet universe as well which you can support for as little as five dollars a month for a limited time at uh 23co so go over there check those things out we really appreciate you all for doing mm -hmm. those things and cheers to another week of music and news again the world is pretty terrible but the music it's not too bad cheers pretty good bye